guys so tonight we are talking all things emotional eating now you'll notice that this is a different session to the one that we've had previously and this one comes with a handy workbook as well so if you haven't got the workbook if you're watching this on playback it'll be in your client hub under resources you can literally go to the search bar at the top type in emotional or type in eating and it will come up there or if you're watching this um, with me now the book is in the facebook group so what is the point of tonight's session we are going to go quite a bit deeper into emotional eating tonight than we normally do because it's something that a lot of us have spoken about before and it's a really really important subject so the aim of tonight is to understand why we might eat emotionally that's the big one tonight it's the why and start to build a toolkit together to help you overcome this but really i want to go into why emotional eating happens what emotional eating is and get you to explore your own links with emotional eating that's the big one for tonight so what's the point why bother talking about emotional eating? So first and foremost, we are all tired and time poor teachers, right? And as you'll see as we go through tonight's session, sleep and stress are two of the biggest contributors to emotional eating. Lots of us at the moment, particularly we're still in that sort of post-COVID era, aren't we, as teachers? Lots of that is still rolling on the impacts of COVID. And that is giving us some very, very stressful situations. It's report writing season at the moment. As, as time of recording, this is June 2022. So it's report writing season, people are moving year groups, people are moving rooms, people are moving to and from different countries, some of us, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And this is leading us to have brimming stress buckets. So basically, if we remember rightly, all the stress that we have pretty much goes into one bucket. The body can't really tell the difference between different types of stress. We've got psychological, we've got emotional, we've got uh, mental, we've got physical. So if we're on a weight loss journey, being in a calorie deficit, so eating fewer calories than our maintenance calories, that is a type of stress on the body. Having a parent send you a bit of a snotty email, that is a type of stress on the body. Having a child not regulate their emotions and you know, kick a chair or shout at you or something like that. That is a type of stress on the body. And all of this stress goes into one bucket, as we know. So we have one bucket that is brimming with stress a lot of the time. And this can sometimes lead us to lean on one coping strategy, being food. Now, we're going to go into how this happens over time, because it's not like you woke up one day and you found yourself comfort eating. It's not how it works. But what happens is we can sometimes start to use food as that reward system. So we have that dopamine feedback loop, dopamine being that pleasure um, neurotransmitter in the brain helps us feel good. We love a bit of dopamine, nice bag of Doritos some chocolate, you know, a nice takeaway that sends off those um, hormones and neurotransmitters in the brain that help us feel great. It helps us feel fantastic. Right. And a big part of that is what breeds that sort of emotional eating and the thing is, is that's all okay until it's not, until this starts to have a negative impact on maybe our health, our weight, our confidence, our self-belief, you name it, emotional eating can impact on it. And so tonight's session is a very, very important one. So what I want from you guys, if you don't mind, a little bit of uh, interaction tonight is always good. Oh, you know that I like talking to you guys. If you're watching live, can you tell me what emotional eating is? And there's no right or wrong. No one gets brownie points or house points for getting the right answer, guys. There's no medals to give out. But if you can just chuck, it, chuck in a one-sentence definition, what does emotional eating mean to you? Okay. And if you're not comfortable doing that, you can send it directly to me and I'll keep it anonymous. But there's no judgment here, guys, as always. Let me know, what does emotional eating mean to you? Type it in the chat for me. 
let's get some interaction going first and foremost. And then I'm going to kind of give you my definition as a nutritionist of what I know emotional eating to be. And I think I think we'll probably have about the same definition. But pop it in chat. What does emotional eating mean for you, please, guys? Cool. We've got emotional eating is overeating less optimal food. Oh, I love it. I love that use of less optimal. There's no good or bad here. Uh, less optimal food and feeling better for it than feeling guilty later. Okay, that's a, that's a really good point there. So we get something good. Again, we're going into those boomerang and sling trap habits there, aren't we? We have that boomerang where we feel like we've thrown the boomerang. We've got rid of that stress. We've had something really tasty to eat. And suddenly, a bit like a credit card for feeling better, it whips right back around and it hits us in the back of the head. That's a really kind of good way to, to word it. That's excellent. Eating food that makes me feel good short term. Uh, that helps me feel good, but it's only short term pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Sometimes it feels like me time. Oh, that's right. I've got that in there. Excellent. Um, feels like me time, especially when I live on my own. No one can see and I don't have to share. Yeah, I, I am uh, known for getting a, a share bag of tang, tang fastics and polishing off the whole lot, to be fair, on a Friday night. It's always fun. But no, seriously, it, it, you're absolutely bang on there. It feels like a bit of you time. And that's exactly pretty much exactly what we're going to be getting at today and what we're going to look to sort of not change, but just adjust ever so slightly. These, those are great definitions. It all is a good one. Eating away the negative feelings, so eating them away. So we're either feeling like those negative feelings are reducing because of the pleasure of the food, or maybe we're distracted from them temporarily and then they come back. Two kind of slightly different things there. Thinking it makes me feel good, but long term it doesn't, or, or, but it doesn't. Sorry, putting words in your mouth there, but it doesn't. Yeah, no, guys, those are fantastic. Those are really, really brilliant. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. So now you don't have to tell me this, but can you identify a time where emotional eating has happened to you? It might have happened to you today, right? It's that time of year, right? It might have happened to you this week. It might have happened to you last week. I know that a load of us in the team right now are really feeling the pressures and the stresses of teaching because we've got, and most of us have either broken up or breaking up in the next two weeks or breaking up in the next sort of four and a bit weeks, right? It's usually two groups of us, depending. We've got some people in Dubai, Ireland, China, um, Scotland, England, obviously. So we've got a sort of mixture around. So it's usually kind of lots of people, either sort of two weeks or about four or five weeks from now. Loads of pressure, stress, moving classrooms, all the things that I've said. So loads of us are feeling that pressure. Just in your mind now, can you think of a time that that's happened to you? And I want you to kind of lock that memory away because we're going to come back to that in a little bit because we're going to unpick that part together. OK, so the problem with emotional eating is that we are always feeling an emotion, right? Happy, sad, no matter what it is, we're always feeling something. So we need to ask ourselves a question. Well, does this mean that a lot of my eating is emotional? And the answer is yes. We have what I kind of categorize as almost like four well, two really, two main types of eating. We've got eating for hunger and we've got eating for emotions, cravings, binge eating, those kinds of things that we're going to get to in a second. So a lot of that eating is emotional. You know, not all of it is for hunger. Not all of it is because you've got the rumble in your stomach or you feel hungry or you're a bit shaky and low energy. 
not all of it is for that a lot of it is because we are feeling some emotion happy sad all the rest of it the thing about it is is that it's completely valid it's a safer coping mechanism than drugs and alcohol and other things that we can do to help us get that same dopamine feedback to help us feel better in the same way when you think about it emotional eating is better than a lot of the alternatives out there short term longer term obviously the impacts can be impacts on our health mental and physical and beyond now the thing with emotional eating is that quite often it can be confused with eating uh, by habit eating through habit so what i mean by this is you sit down on the sofa you just had your dinner and you think oh mm, I, I could go for something sweet right now and often people will say oh, i'm comfort eating or i'm emotional eating and we need to be really sort of crystal clear with this today is building that awareness building that mindfulness am i emotionally eating am i comfort eating or is it just a habit because i know when i was younger i would always fancy something sweet after meals and i still do sometimes and that's not emotional eating that's not comfort eating that's just because i've had that habit loop have dinner do the kitchen have a have a yogurt or some chocolate or a bit of ice cream now be careful today we don't want to confuse habit eating with emotional eating because they require two different responses from us. So today we're focusing on the former, on emotional eating. Now, another thing that emotional eating is very, very different from is binge eating. And we're going to cover binge eating in a second because loads of us use the language of, oh, I've had a binge. Now, binging is actually a very, very specific thing. And we're going to go through that in a second. Again, the idea is what we all want to do is intuitively eat and honor our hunger. So let's look at binge eating then. So binge eating is eating an excessive amount of food in a way that feels out of completely out of control or distressing. So when I say completely out of control, what I mean is that if someone came up to you and said, oh, no, no, stop that, please. You wouldn't be able to. Right. Because you feel completely wildly out of control. Now, you can already see that maybe when you might have said binging in the past, maybe it wasn't a real binge. A binge is a psychological thing. Now, for um, a doctor or a therapist or whoever to diagnose you as having a binge eating disorder, which is a type of eating disorder, then you would have to tick off three or more of these, basically. Okay. Eating much more rapidly than normal, eating until you're uncomfortably full, so you're in real discomfort, but continuing to eat, eating very, very large amounts of food, even when you're not hungry at all, eating alone, sort of hiding your food, hiding packets and um, things like that because of being embarrassed by how much you, you are eating and um, feeling, oh, sorry, that's supposed to be an F, feeling disgusted with yourself, depressed, guilty, shame, all of those feelings after overeating. So if you were to go to see someone about binge eating, they would go through these five things and see if you tick off three of them. Okay. And it's also, I took it off that slide. I don't know why. It's also, now let me get this right. Uh, one episode a week for three months minimum. So if you do this once a week for three months minimum, that's something else that they use to diagnose this. Okay. Now that's binge eating. You can see that probably what you've been maybe refer maybe referring to as binges in the past may not have been sort of true binges and it may have just been emotional eating. So let's go back to emotional eating. What is that? Primar primarily, it's when we eat in response to negative emotions, but it can sometimes be positive emotions. The thing is, we actually get something from emotional eating. We actually benefit from it. We get energy, maybe. We get satisfaction. We get enjoyment. We get fullness. We get a sense of control. So we do actually benefit 
psychologically really sometimes physiologically from that emotional eating for the short term just like loads of you have said before now the the funny thing is is that chronic stress very poor sleep have been linked to higher ghrelin now if you're not sure what ghrelin is I'll be really interested to know if, uh, who, who does know that. Uh, ghrelin is what I call the ghrelin gremlin. That is the main hormone that makes you feel hungry. So ghrelin is your hunger hormone, pretty much, to simplify it. And poor sleep, high stress has been linked time and time again with higher ghrelin levels. So you can see if you're stressed and you're poorly slept, you're going to feel hungry more often, right? Now, another thing that has a lot of links with emotional eating is over-restriction, which is one of the big reasons I always encourage you guys not to over restrict Monday to Friday so that when it gets to the weekend, you feel like you're more likely to overindulge. We don't want to go into those sort of restrict indulge cycles. And again, remember, restricting and indulging is very different to binging. OK, that, that is a different thing. It's a different level sort of thing. But there's a big, big link there. As you guys know, when we over restrict the value of the food, the pleasure that we place on that food goes right through the ceiling so if you think you if i turned around to you and said right you are never allowed to have chocolate ice cream again never in the rest of your life what's the first thing you're going to want you're going to want chocolate ice cream if i said to you you can't have this thing ever again you're going to want it and the same thing goes for us it's the same thing when you're little you're told you're not allowed to go out to play what's the only thing you want to do you want to go out to play right it's the same thing as humans we want what we can't have the other thing that can really contribute to emotional eating, and this is one that I think is going to resonate with a lot of you from knowing a lot of you very well, learned behavior from your childhood, parents, siblings, wider family, friend groups even, and your environments. If people around you emotionally ate throughout your childhood, you are very, very likely to do the same. If people around you now as an adult are emotionally eating, you again are very, very likely to do the same. And then we can get into the whole crabs in the bucket, pulling you back down story that we sometimes talk about. Now, let me know. You don't, again, be as honest and open as you want to. Which of those resonates with you? Do any of those resonate with you? Can you link any of those back to your own eating patterns or your own emotional eating if you feel like you eat emotionally? You can just say yes. You can tell me which one if you want. I'm not going to ask you to come on and put your camera on, explain to, to everyone. We're not going to do that. But just let me know. Do any of those relate or resonate with you? Because I know from, like I said, from chatting with some of you for months and months and months now, I think learned behavior might resonate with some of you. Just looking down the list there. I think chronic stress and poor sleep would probably resonate with some of you. But just let me know. Pop it in the chat. Which ones of those resonate with you guys? Charlotte says, yes, 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 yes. And yes. Learn behavior and stress. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And these are the most common reasons that we eat emotionally. And so today we're going to run through just a couple of very simple things, but I want you to grab a pen, grab some paper, grab an iPad or whatever you're going to jot some notes down with, because I want to give you some direct tools that you can use today to help you with this in the future. Stress, poor sleep and learned behavior, family, emotional eating. Yep. hundred percent. And there's almost a bit of a, a generational thing here. I'm thinking about my my mum, who is now mid-60s, um, going to slimming clubs and, and all of that stuff. And she used to call it Fat Club, which is a horrible name for it. Um, it was like Fat Club and Keep Fit. 
were the two clubs she used to go to, uh, two completely different ends of the spectrum. But that kind of generation with a lot of the swimming clubs and things, emotional eating would have been a really, really big part of it. Relationship with food would have been, would have sort of a negative relationship with food would have been a really big part of it as well. Loads and loads of different things would have contributed. So what on earth do we do about it? Because as teachers, emotional eating, I, I, I would hazard a guess that the, the statistic for teachers emotional eating compared to someone who doesn't have a job like us, because let's be honest, it's a different type of job. I reckon that I reckon the statistics would would be much higher for teachers. I really do. So what do we do about it? An individualized approach is essential. It's got to be something that fits you. Otherwise, it's like me going to, I don't know, I don't know if they do even still have Clark's shoe shops, but going to Clark's and grabbing any old pair of shoes and chucking them on you and probably not going to fit. The chances are it's probably not, they're not going to fit. It's not going to work. We need coaching. Okay. So that means questioning. That means discussion. That means pulling these, the, the things and thoughts and feelings that are already within you, <clears throat> excuse me, pulling those out of you through conversation, helping you to come up with your own answers and exploration diving into this and this is an uncomfortable process and the big thing I want to go through today is that you need to approach this with compassion kindness and zero judgment so that means that you don't beat yourself up when you feel you've eaten emotionally it means that you come at it from a completely neutral standpoint with no prior judgment no negative connotations we view it as a neutral event and we do something about it from that point on then we can develop mindfulness and awareness around the situation so that's what you're going to see when we go through our sort of three f's that we talk about quite a lot the awareness part is a huge huge element of this we're going to look at building a wider range of coping strategies so right now food might be your main coping strategy for stress or it might be your main strategy when you feel excited or you're celebrating food might be the go-to it is for a lot of people so we just need to build out a wider range of coping strategies it doesn't mean that we never eat emotionally it means that we have other things to go on we might start to get into swimming we might start to find that we really enjoy podcasts or going for a walk or meditation or yoga or mindfulness or or coloring or doing something else it could be reading could be anything whatsoever right it could be crochet finding something that we can lean on when we're feeling stressed and overwhelmed that isn't food. That's a really, really big part. Seeking support from people around us, from me, from your partners, family, friends, siblings, seeking that support, telling them what you're going through and asking them for, them for their opinion, their support on it, if you feel that's a useful bit of a caveat there, if you feel that they, they are someone that you would like to take advice from on that topic. And again, the big one is always addressing those black and, white, black and white relationships with food. If we think that there is such thing as a good food or a bad food or a healthy food or an unhealthy food between you and I, we know that those foods don't exist. If you still have that mindset around food, that is the thing that you need to address because there is no food that's going to make you healthy or food that's going to make you unhealthy. It's all about how we enjoy that food in the context that it's in. So those are like the broad umbrella things that we need to do. So we've got hunger and craving. Remember I said that we've got emotional eating and then we've got eating for actual hunger, right? The big thing I want us to sort of determine today is am I eating emotionally? Am I eating out of habit or am I eating because I'm actually hungry? Okay. And the craving obviously is part of the habit one, right? So here is a way that you can really easily tell if you actually just need to eat a meal, right? It might just be that you're hungry. You're not eating emotionally, you're genuinely hungry. So hunger is going to cause an empty or a hollow feeling in your stomach. And it will be hunger is a feeling in your stomach. It's not a feeling in your mind, really. Not, not really, really. It's not a feeling in your throat. 
that's thirst. It's typically a feeling right in the stomach. That's where it begins, okay? And then it might move to your mind later on, which I'll talk about in a second. If you wait 10 minutes, hunger is going to get worse and worse and worse. That's true hunger, okay? To help this, we have fruits, we have veggies, we have protein, we have a balanced meal that is usually appealing, okay? If a, if a meal that you, you know, a, to your typical lunch, if you feel hungry, you do really want to go and eat it, okay? That's because you're hungry. If you've got a tuna sandwich and you like tuna sandwiches and you sit in there, you know, your mouth's watering, you're really hungry, that's hunger. You're feeling that in your stomach, you want that food, okay? That is hunger. However, a craving from a habit loop is different. Usually it doesn't come with a hungry feeling in your stomach, okay? If you were to distract yourself for 10 minutes, you're usually going to forget about it. Go for a walk. I don't really want that chocolate anymore. Okay. And if I was to present you with a tuna sandwich again, you like tuna sandwiches, you're probably not going to reach for it because you're not hungry. You actually just want a bit of chocolate or you just want a highly palatable food, Doritos, Haribo, ice cream, because you're not hungry for food. You are craving what that food will give you, the dopamine response, that really sort of good firework show of feeling great in your mind. Can you let me know, guys? Is that clear what the difference between a hunger? signal is and a habit craving can you just give me a thumbs up a yes a smiley face um a chocolate emoji whatever you want to give me just give me some kind of signal that we can really clearly see the difference there between what hunger is and what a craving is awesome chris has gone for banana love that Beck says smiley face awesome cool so that's really really important really important that we know what hunger is and what cravings are now we're going to talk about hunger. Okay. I want to know what this is for you. Now, how does your personal hunger show up? Because when you can write down how your hunger shows up, you're going to know, am I hungry? Is it a habit or am I emotionally eating? Because like I said, awareness is the biggest part. So usually it starts in that stomach in that middle one. Okay. Might be an empty feeling, might be rumbling. You might actually get sort of stomach pains. Okay. You might have that gurgly feeling in your stomach, write it down for me. For you, when you're feeling really hungry, how does it show up? Write it down on your bit of paper or on your iPad, whatever. Then quite often it might move to the head. We might get headaches. We might have really poor concentration. We might be easily distracted. We might be, you know, hangry, right? Might be irritable. Write down what happens in your mind or in your head when you're feeling hungry. Write that down for me, guys, because I want you to leave tonight knowing what your, your personal hunger signals are. Okay, and then finally, in your body, generally speaking, in the rest of your body, we might feel low energy, might even feel a bit achy and a bit slow. We might feel very tired. Our eyes might feel quite heavy. OK, sometimes when our blood sugar drops, we might get the shakes. We might get a bit jittery. OK, we might get a little bit sort of um, almost hyper. Sometimes people go a little bit sort of scatty, almost a little bit sort of, um, you know, they're running, running on sort of, you know, uh, adrenaline, almost that kind of buzzy feeling. Right. Sometimes we can get that. So right down for you, what are the upstairs, the stomach and the whole body feelings? Because now you've got a list of how you can recognize hunger for you as a person, as an individual, right? All good? All good? Awesome. I think that's quite straightforward. So we have talked about so far tonight what emotional eating is, what emotional eating means for you, what binge eating is, 
what um, hunger is. We've looked at cravings versus hunger. We've done that. We've looked at a definition of what emotional eating is, why we eat emotionally. And we've looked at how your personal hunger shows up for you. OK, so we've already covered an awful lot in this session tonight. OK, like I said, I'm going to give you a strategy that is probably the best thing I can give you. I call it the, four, the three F's. And I got this from Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, who got this from someone else. And it's kind of developed as we've gone through. And I've added my own bits to it as well. So the three F's are feel, find, sorry, that's a lie, feel, feed, and find. Okay. So the first F is feel. And this is all about awareness and acceptance. Okay. So this is a mindfulness tool. This is getting you to accept how you're feeling before you emotionally eat. This is all about noting. It's not about changing anything. It's not about putting pressure on you. It's not about guilt. It's just about accepting how you feel as you begin to emotionally eat. And remember, we've already determined it's not hunger. It's not habit. We've, we are eating emotionally, right, by this point, okay? What, all I want you to do is as you find yourself reaching for whatever it is, I'm not asking you to stop yourself because that's too much in the first place. I'm asking you to check in and see how you're feeling right now. And I don't want you to do anything about it. I just want you to note the emotion that you're feeling. Am I feeling, and then we can use the uh, acronym HALTAS. Am I feeling hungry, angry, lonely or bored? Am I feeling tired? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling stressed? And then by doing that, by noting the emotion that you're feeling before you emotionally eat, you can start to develop the awareness and the acceptance around that emotion. Does that make sense, guys? Let me know in the chat if that makes sense. So step one, feel, is just about noticing how you feel whilst you begin to emotionally eat. That's it. That's all we need to do, step one. And then you may even choose to continue to emotionally eat, but that's fine because by taking that step of even, even noticing your emotional eating and then clocking in and building awareness around that emotion, that is a huge step along the path. Now, maybe next time you emotionally eat, you can do the same thing again. So you realize that you're emotionally eating and you check in with yourself and think, how do I feel right now? You note that emotion. You might choose to write it down somewhere. Once you've enjoyed that food, you're then going to check in and say, right, how did that food feed my emotion? Did it help, basically? And the short answer will be, for most of us, in the short term, yes, it, help, it helped, as you all said. In the long term, no, it didn't help, right? But in the moment, did it help? The answer is probably going to be, yes, it helped somewhat, okay? And again, this is just about noting and bringing further awareness. So what we want to know is, how did that food make you feel? How did it feed your emotion? Once you'd enjoyed that food, did you feel back in control? Did you feel calm and relaxed because of that awesome sort of dopamine response in the brain? Did you go back to, ah, did you go from fight or flight to rest and digest back down to equilibrium? Is your breathing rate, your heart rate, your blood pressure, have you kind of gone, ah, because you've eaten emotionally, right? Do you feel relaxed? Do you feel back to equilibrium? Does it feel, as one of you guys perfectly said at the start, does it feel like you've done something for you? Does it feel like you've had some you time? Okay, this is a really, really common one, right? We say, well, I just love to sit in front of the TV and eat whatever I want when I'm feeling really rubbish because it helps me feel better. It helps me feel like I've done something for myself. And again, it is that plastering over the cracks. It is the boomerang habit. Feels like you've got rid of it in the short term. It comes whizzing back around and smacks you in the back of the head. Emotional eating is a credit card for stress. 
in the short term, it feels like you're getting rid of it and dealing with it. In the long term, it is 10 times worse. Okay, so check in with yourself once you've had that. How do I feel now? How did that food feed the emotion? And then finally, moving on to the third F, find. Now you know how that food helped or perceive you perceive it to help. Now you know how you felt after that food. Can you find something else that gives you the same response in the body? So if you felt in control because you had loads of stuff going on and you had that chocolate bar and it was a moment for you, it's a moment of pleasure and you feel back in control now because everything was all over the place and now it's back to control. Can you find another way of doing that? Can you write down how you're feeling? Can you have a conversation with someone? Can you send an email you need to send? Can you put your email or your phone on out of office for the rest of the night? Can you write a to-do list out? Do you remember that um, four-way matrix? The urgent, not urgent, important, not important. The do it now, the delay it, the delegate it, the delete it. Do you remember that guys? Can you do one of those matrix where you sort your to-do list so you actually know what you can get rid of, what you can pass on, what you can wait on, and what you can do now? Can you do that to get that control back? If it helps you to feel clearer minded, can you do a mind dump? Can you journal? Can you go and talk to someone on the phone? If it helps you to feel calm, can you go out for a walk? Can you take a bath? Can you listen to a podcast? Can you listen to your favorite bit of music? Can you go and do some dancing in the kitchen? Can you go and play with the children? Can you go and stand in the garden and take 10 deep breaths, four seconds in, two second hold, four seconds out, two second hold? Can you do that kind of stuff? All the things we spoke about earlier, right? Take a mental holiday, mindfulness coloring, all of that kind of stuff, right? And the thing is that it's gonna be really hard for me to tell you exactly what to do here because it is so completely individual. But basically we want to know how we're feeling, feel, realize how that food has fed the emotion and find an alternative to help us feel that way again without the food. And this again is us talking all about those coping strategies. And so the other thing that we can do with this is go and build that self-care menu that we talk about all the time. Things that care for me, both self-soothing and self-care habits, things that I can do in zero to five minutes to care for myself, things that I can do in five to 20 minutes and things that I can do in 20 plus minutes. And all of these kinds of ideas can be put onto that grid and you can go and have that stuck on the wall, stuck on the fridge, written on your phone, whatever, so it can help you, okay? That self-care menu is really, really important. Quick fire tips here to help you with overeating. And now if you do have the workbook, if you don't, it's in the Facebook group or it'll be in your client hub, or I've emailed it to you if you are watching this on playback. And um, in the workbook on page three out of four, you have a big long list of things to help you avoid overeating, okay? And it's basically this put into a checklist. And that is there for you to go through, to tick off what you regularly do do, and to tick off what you regularly don't do, so that you know what to do next, okay? That's all there for you. So. Avoid overeating. Very, very simply, eat mindfully. Okay. If you don't have a problem with uh, overeating, you don't have a problem with eating mindfully, feel free. Sit in front of the TV, uh, be on your phone, be on a tablet, do whatever you want. But if you do find that your dinner is there on the plate and then suddenly it's gone and you don't feel satiated, you don't feel satisfied, you then go and want, want seconds and you want dessert and you feel yourself habit eating and you feel yourself overeating. It may be because you're not eating mindfully. You've got the TV on, okay? Someone, you know, people running around, you've got the phone on, you've got um, 
you know you're you're talking to someone all these kinds of things distract you from actually visually looking at your food and clocking what's going in a big part of the hunger process and you also eat much quicker so not having those distractions can help you eat slower okay next one is going to be obviously having a balanced meal veggies protein carbs and fats protein first then veggies carbs and fats a balanced meal a really good and very visual representation is about a quarter of your plate as protein a third of your plate as veggies quarter of your plate as carbs and a little bit of fats on there as well okay and i'm aware guys that that doesn't make exactly a whole but but there or thereabouts right another really easy one put your cutlery down between bites if you find yourself just watering it down put your fork and knife down in between bites knife and fork down between bites check in how often do you do that be really honest tonight when you had your meal did you put your knife and fork down or your fork and spoon did you put those down at any point between picking them up and finishing the dinner most people don't most people will just eat because remember a lot of the time let's be honest breakfast and lunch as teachers we are eating on the go we're marking whilst we're putting a sandwich down our down our necks right we're drinking our tea whilst we're finishing off a bit of um, some kind of resource on the computer we are used to food and eating and drinking being a sort of passive activity whilst engaged in something else but that doesn't help us it can lead to digestive issues it can lead to stomach aches it can lead us to not feeling satiated now as you're eating think about your hunger and your stomach can you feel your stomach expanding another big part of us feeling full can you feel the food in your stomach can you feel that hunger signal decreasing slightly because as your stomach stretches gastric stretch there is fatty tissue around it and that excretes that um, hormone of leptin remember lovely leptin right the hormone that helps us to feel full that goes to the brain we feel full it's one of the ways that stomach stretching is one of the ways that we feel full so really imagining that and thinking right my stomach is getting more full now is going to help with it before you go and have seconds or dessert give yourself 10 to 15 minutes used to be a bit of an uh well my mum always used to say oh just wait 15 minutes for your food to go down it's true right it's true the hunger signals aren't like that you don't have a meal and then suddenly bing you're not hungry anymore. It takes time for your brain to register that. Drinking water as we go as well. And of course, with these strategies, slowly building them up. Don't expect to go from naught to 100 and all of those different things. Charlotte says, it's making me ill because I'm the slowest eater ever. Yeah, I mean, that's good in terms of overeating, right? That's a that's a bit of a bit of a bonus, bit of a skill there, Charlotte. Um, find that it being really hard with being a teacher and having about three minutes to eat my lunch. Yeah, you probably get like a quarter of a sandwich gone with, with your speed of eating. It takes about half an hour to eat my dinner. That's fantastic. To be honest, 20 minutes to half an hour is probably a decent amount of time to eat your dinner. It gives you plenty of time for like just that gastric stretch, leptin and that hunger sort of satiation response really really important right guys another one that i think you will find very very useful because lots of you talk to me about this is the evening snacking so alongside everything that we've already spoken about evening snacking is a big problem and again this is not emotional eating we're talking about here anymore we've just gone on to generalize habit eating cravings that evening snacking okay alongside everything else the big one is going to be controlling your environment it's the biggest tip i can give you you could pre-portion as you'll see on your checklist in your workbook pre-portion out your food into a separate container if you're going to snack leave the packets in front of you so you can register what you've eaten don't keep clearing them away and getting another one portion it out into a container don't eat from the main container buy uh, individually wrapped chocolate bars and snacks and things like that okay 
if you've got a big sort of you know box of something, put it in an opaque container, put it on the top shelf, put it at the back, out of sight, out of mind. Controlling your environment is going to really help with evening snacking because I know if I open the cupboard and there's Haribo looking at me, I'm probably going to go and eat it, right? And right now I might not want to eat it, but that habit loop will kick in and suddenly the craving kicks in and we're off into the same kind of thing, okay? Habit loops, again, cutting the cues, all those things I just said there was cutting the cues, getting rid of that signal, the visual sensory input that, okay, here is that, here is that food, here is that hunger signal, bing, here comes the craving, you choose your response, the reward is that dopamine reaction in the brain, okay, we know that very well, okay, making your responses impossible, putting the, the gin in the garage, okay? Putting your chocolates in, leaving them in the boot of your car, maybe not in this weather. Putting the ice cream at the back of the freezer. All of these really easy things that we can do to control our environment. Have that horrible, that you know, that uncomfortable conversation with someone about what you want to do with the food shopping this week, but you don't really want that on the food shopping list. You're gonna pick this thing instead, okay? Apply the spectrum thinking of less optimal to more optimal, because we know there's no such thing as a healthy food and an unhealthy food. There's no such thing as a good food or a bad food. It's all about how we eat that food. Apply the spectrum of less optimal to more optimal, not good and bad, because that doesn't help anyone. And again, if this evening snacking is a real problem for you, expect it. Expect that it's going to happen. Prepare for it. Disappointment only comes when your reality does not align with your expectations. If you expect this evening snacking to happen, it's going to be much more manageable. You're not going to feel the guilt and the shame when it does happen. And then, then if you do snack in the evenings, accept it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just like we said with the emotional eating, don't beat yourself up about it. Accept it. And guys, that is us done. I would have liked to have said a whistle stop tour, but that was a bit of a deep dive into emotional eating. But hopefully you've taken some tools away to add to your toolkit.